Welcome back to Victoria's podcast, Murder, Mystery and Mayhem. Today is part two of the Anna Delvey podcast. Soon it was April. Spring was poking its head through the grey New York City sidewalks and the weather was getting warm enough to sip rosé on rooftops. One of Anna's favourite activities. Although the circles she was doing this with was smaller than it had been in the past and mainly consisted of herself, Rachel Williams, a photo editor at Vanity Fair, and the trainer, who although was notably older, had taken a motherly interest in Anna. I know a lot of trust fund babies, and I was impressed that Anna had something that she wanted to do instead of, you know, living like a Kardashian, said the trainer. Plus, she said, Anna seemed lonely. Neff noticed that too. What happened to your friends? She asked Anna after one night out. Oh, Anna said vaguely, they're all mad that I left purple. She was too busy for parties anyway. What with building her business? It was true that Anna was spending a lot of time working frowning at her inbox and huffing into the phone. She was always on the phone with her lawyers, who would sort of listen in from the concierge desk, Neff said. They were always toning her down. Like, Anna, you're trying to make something that's worth this much to be worth that much, and that's just not how it works. Back in December, City National had turned down her loan request. A management decision is how Anna framed it. And while the ever loyal Andy was reaching out to hedge funds and banks for alternative financing, executives at RFR were pressuring her to come up with the money fast. Anna said, if she didn't, they were going to give it to another party, rumoured to be at the Swedish Museum. How did they even pay for that? Anna said angrily. It's like two old guys. In the meantime, Anna was having cash flow issues of her own. One night, Anna asked Neff to dinner at a fancy restaurant in Soho. They were by themselves, which was extremely unusual. Even more unusual at the end of the meal, Anna's card was declined. Here she told the waiter, handing him a list of credit card numbers. In Neff's admittedly foggy memory, they were in a small book, though it may have been the notes app on her phone. But she's clear on what happened next. The waiter went back to his station and began entering the numbers in. There were like 12, and I know the guy tried them all, she said. He was trying it and then shaking his head. And then I started to sweat, because I knew the bill would be mine. While the amount, $286, was a fraction of what Anna usually spent, it was a hell of a lot of money for Neff, who quietly transferred money from her savings to cover the bill. Doing so made her feel sick. But after all the money Anna had spent on her, she understood it was her turn. Not long after the meal, Neff's manager called and asked her to address a delicate issue. It seemed... 
Howard didn't have a credit card on file for Anna Delby. Because the hotel had been so new when she arrived and because she was staying for such an unusually long time and because she was a client of Abby Rosen's and a very valued guest, it had been agreed to accept a wire transfer. But a month and a half later, no such transfer had arrived. And now Delvey owed the hotel approximately $30,000, including charges from the restaurant that she'd been billing to her room. Neff wasn't sure what to think. She was sure Anna was good for the money. Especially since days after the dinner she paid for because Anna's cards wouldn't work, Anna paid her back triple and in cash. When Anna came by, by her desk the next day, Neff took her aside and told her the management had said Anna needed to pay her bill. Anna nodded. There was a wire transfer on the way, she said. It should arrive soon. And then about midway into her shift, Anna came by the desk again and a mischievous smile on her face told Neff to accept the package when it arrived. Neff opened it to find a case of 1975 Don Perignon with Anna's instructions to distribute it amongst the staff. Neff hesitated. Gifts, especially of the liquor kind, needed to be approved by management. They were like, how do we look approving this if she hasn't even paid her bill? So they went after her. We need the money or we're locking you out. One morning, Anna showed up to her morning session with the trainer, looking extremely upset. Can we do a life coaching session? She pleaded. She was trying to build something to do something. She went on. And no one was taking her seriously. They think because I'm young, they think I have all this money, she sobbed. I told them the money would be there soon. I'm having it transferred. The trainer told her to take a deep breath. I feel like you were in a little over your head, she said. Maybe you just need a break. Then something miraculous happened. Citibank sent Howard a wire transfer on behalf of Miss Anna Delvey for 30000 Dollars. Neff called Anna on her cell phone. Where are you at? She asked. Across the street at Rick Owens, Anna replied. Neff checked the clock and it was her lunch break. When she came through the door of the store, Anna was holding a t-shirt. Look what I found, she said, beaming. It's perfect for you. She was right. The shirt was the exact orangey red of the creepy bathroom scene in The Shining one of Neff's favourite movies and the signature colour of the brand Neff was trying to launch, Film Colours. It was almost $400. I'd love to buy it for you, Anna said. A few weeks later, Anna told Neff she was going to Omaha. I'm going to see Warren Buffet, she said grandly. One of her bankers had gotten her on the list to Berkshire Hathaway's annual investment conference. And she decided to bring the executive from Martin Shukriel's head fund, who was fun and a friend of his, on the private jet she'd rented to take them there. I'll be back, she promised Neff.
but there was still a problem with her account. Despite being repeatedly asked by hotel management, she still hadn't given the hotel a working credit card and her charges were continuing to mount. Following through on their warning, hotel employees changed the code of the lock on Anna's room and put her belongings in storage. Neff texted Anna in Omaha to deliver the bad news. How can they do that? Anna asked. Although if she was truly shocked, it didn't last very long. The conference had been great. The best part had happened the very last day, when having exhausted all of the opportunities for luxury Omaha had to offer, Anne and her party had taken a cab driver's suggestion to check out the zoo. They hadn't expected much. But while they were there riding around on their golf carts, they'd stumbled on a private dinner hosted by buffet for a slew of VIPs. Everyone was there, she said, like Bill Gates was there. For a little way while they watched through the glass. Then they'd slipped in and mingled among everyone. When Anna got back to Howard's, she made her fury known. She was going to purchase web domains in all of the manager's names, she told Neff. A trick she'd learned from Shirkelly. They're going to pay me one day. Also, she was moving out as soon as she got back from Morocco. Inspired by Khloe Kardashian, she'd reserved a $7,000 a night Riyadh with a private butler in a hotel in a resort in Marrakech and asked Neff if she wanted to join her. The trainer, Rachel Williams, and a videographer, who she was hoping would make a behind-the-scenes documentary about the process of creating her arts foundation on a vacation. They'd wake up to messages, she said, and spend their days exploring the area, lounging by the pool. Neff wanted to go so bad. But there was no way the hotel would let her take off eight days. Just quit, Anna said. For a day or two, Neff thought about it. But her mom told her she had a bad feeling about it. Nothing in life is free, she said. So Neff stayed behind. Following her friend's journey on Instagram. I was so jealous, she said. As she would look at the pictures, they didn't exactly tell the whole story. Two days in, after coming down with a nasty case of food poisoning, the trainer had gone back to New York early. About a week later, she got a call from Anna, who was alone at the Four Seasons in Casablanca and hysterical. There she was, she sobbed. There's a problem with my bank. My credit cards aren't going through and the hotel was threatening to call the police. After calming Anna down, the trainer asked to speak to the management. They were like, she is going to be arrested. The trainer was torn. On one hand, this was not her problem. On the other hand, Anna was her client, her friend and someone's daughter. Offering a prayer to the universe, the trainer gave the hotel her credit card and when it failed to go through, made the calls to her bank. When it still failed to go through, she went an extra mile. She called a friend and had her give her credit card information. When that failed to work, the hotel conceded the problem might be on their end. 
Later, the trainer would recognise this as a substantial gift from the universe. At the time, she promised the hotel in Casablanca that Anna would make them whole. Trust me, she told him. I know she's good for it. I just spent two days with her in America. When Anna came back on the phone, the trainer told her she was booking her a ticket back to New York. Anna cried and said thanks. Then she asked her for one last favour. Can you please get me first class? A few days later, Telsa pulled up in front of the Howards. Neff at the concierge desk felt her phone buzz. Look out the window, window, said a familiar German accent. The car's futuristic doors slowly raised up to the level to reveal Anna. I'm here to get my stuff, she said. Anna was making good on her promise to leave Howard. She was moving downtown to the Beekman Hotel. She told Neff, who watched her drive away in a car, that she only later realised someone must have rented to her. Moving didn't upset Anna's mounting troubles. Not only did she owe the hotel, but over in London, Mark Kramer's the designer. She'd hired to do her branding work was getting antsy. The 16,800 fee Anna had promised would arrive by wire almost a year before had yet to materialise. And now emails to Anna's financial advisor, Peter, were bouncing back. Peter passed away last month, Anna told him. Please refrain from contacting or mentioning any communication with him going forward. Things were rapidly deteriorating for Anna in New York. 20 days into her stay in the Beekman Hotel, having realised it did not have a working credit card on file. And having not received the promised wire transfer for her balance of the $11,518.59, locked Anna out of her room and confiscated her belongings. A subsequent two-day stay at the W Hotel downtown ended in a similar fashion. And by July 5th, Anna was effectively homeless, wandering the streets in treadbare Alexander Wang sportswear. Late one night, she made her way to the trainer's apartment and called her from outside. I'm right here near your building, she said. Do you think we could talk? The trainer hesitated. She was in the middle of a date, but there was a desperate note in Anna's voice. She made her way to the lobby where she found Anna with tears streaming down her face. I'm trying to do this thing, she sobbed, and it's just so hard. Maybe she should call her family, the trainer said. She would, Anna replied, but her parents were in Africa. Do you mind if I crash at your place tonight? No, the trainer said. She had a date. I really just don't want to be alone, Anna said. I might do something. The date hid in the bedroom while the trainer made a bed for her unexpected house guest and offered her a glass of water. As Anna slept, the trainer's spidey senses began to tingle. I mean, I'm born and raised in New York. I'm not stupid. She texted Rachel Williams, who told her about what had happened. At La Manonia. Apparently, after the trainer returned to New York, the credit card Anna had <laughs> was found to be non-functional. And when Anna was unable to produce a new form of payment... <laughs> threatening goons appeared in the doorway.
And the photo editor was forced to put the balance $62,000, more than she was paid in a year, on her credit card. She sometimes used for work expenses. Anna had promised her a wire transfer, but a month later, all Rachel received was $5,000. The following morning, the trainer resolved to draw a clear boundary. After lending Anna a clean and flattering dress, she sent her on her way. But when Anna walked out the door, she left her laptop behind. The trainer was having none of it. She left the computer at the front desk and texted Anna that she could pick it up there. That evening, the trainer got a call from the doorman. Anna was in the lobby again. He told her that the trainer was out, at which point she asked for access to her suite. When he refused, Anna had resolved to wait for the trainer to return home. Let me know when she goes, the trainer told the doorman. But hours passed and Anna didn't budge. They were like, she's still here. She's texting, the trainer recalls. I was like, oh my God, I'm a prisoner in my own home. It wasn't until after midnight that Anna finally left the building. When the trainer when the trainer found out that she was gone, she slowly started to worry about Anna again. She started to call the hotels to see where she was staying and each hotel was like, this girl? She found out why later that month when both the Beekman and the W Hotel filed charges against Anna for theft of services. Wannabe socialite, busted for skipping out on pricey hotel bills, blared the headline in the post, which referenced an incident in which Anna attempted to leave the restaurant at Le Parker without paying. Why are you making a big deal out of this, she protested to police. Give me five minutes and I can get a friend to pay. But this time, no friends arrived. Maybe it was all a misunderstanding. As Anna told the criminal attorney she hired, maybe the poised young woman in the Audrey Hepburn dress who cold called him on his cell phone repeatedly, insisting it was an emergency until he agreed to come into his office on a Saturday, really was a wealthy German heiress. He thought as his four-year-old pasted Paw Patrol stickers up on one of Anna's bare arms and her credit cards had gotten jammed up or someone had taken away her trust fund. Anna again got in touch with the trainer who did not invite her to stay but instead organised an intervention at a nearby restaurant during which she and Rachel attempted to get Anna answers about why Anna had done what she had done who she really was, if she ever planned on paying anyone back. Anna hymned and honed and disassembled and, as the women got increasingly angry, allowed two fat tears roll down her cheeks. I'll have enough to pay everyone, she cried, once I get the lease signed. Anna, the trainer, said, summoning her last shred of patience. The building 
has been rented. She held up her iPhone and showed her the headline. Photographiska signs a lease for entire 45k SF at Abby Rosen's building. That's fake news, said Anna. As it turned out, Anna's hotel bills were merely the first loose threads in a web of fraudulent activity, one that began to ravel in November 2016. After she submitted documents claiming a network of 60 million in Swiss accounts to the City National Bank in pursuit of a $22 million loan. The following month, she submitted the same documents to Fortress in an attempt to secure a $25 million loan. After that bank asked for 100000 to perform due diligence, she convinced a representative at City National to extend her 100000 line of credit, which she then wired to Fortress. I mean, this girl is so good. Then apparently spoke by, spooked by Fortress's decision to send representatives to Switzerland to personally check her assets. She withdrew herself from the process halfway through, wiring the remaining 55,000 to a city bank account that she used for personal expenses. Then in April, she deposited 160,000 worth of bad checks into the same account, managing to withdraw 70,000 before they were returned, which is how she managed to pay off to Howard, buy Neff's t-shirt and the domain names of the managers of the hotel. In May, Anna convinced the company Blade to charter her a 35,000 euro jet, dollar jet to Omaha by sending them a forged confirmation for a wire transfer from a Deutsche Bank. It might have helped that she had the business card of the CEO, whom she met in passing at Soho House, but who says he didn't actually know her at all. Not wanting to leave Anna homeless after their intervention last summer, the trainer and friend agreed to put Anna up at a hotel for one night after having the hotel removed the penny bar and given strict instructions not to allow her any room service. She subsequently checked into the Bowery Hotel for two nights, sending the hotel a receipt for a wire transfer from Deutsche Bank. That never came. She's just like, to me, she's absolutely amazing. Like, Rachel Williams, City National and others also receives phony wire transfer receipts, which a representative of the bank identified as forged. And his family advisor, the late Peter, seems to have been a fictional character. His cell phone number belonged to a now defunct burner from a supermarket. Later in the summer, with her misdemeanor charges pending, Anna deposited two bad checks into an account at Signature Bank, netting her 8200 which is how she managed to take what she said was a planned trip to California, where she was arrested outside of the passages in Malibu and brought back to New York to face six counts of grand larceny and attempted grand larceny in addition to theft of services according to the indictment. 
I like Ellie, she giggled when she was visited at Rikers Island. LA in the winter, New York in the spring, and autumn, and Europe in the summer. People looked over curiously. She's like a unicorn in there. Everyone else is in there for like stabbing their baby daddy. But her, she is just so colourful. This place is not that bad at all, actually, Anna said, her eyes sparkling behind her her glasses. People seem to think it's horrible, but I see it as like the sociological experiment. She made friends, of course. Their murders were the most interesting to her. There are a couple of girls who are here for financial crimes as well. This one girl, she'd been stealing other people's identity. Anna didn't realise how easy that would be. Over the course of three months, her solicitor spoke to Anna over the phone and visited her several times, occasionally bringing her in copies of Forbes, Fast Company, the Wall Street Journal, at her request. Clad in her beige prison jumpsuit, her $800 highlights faded and her 400 euro lash extensions had long fallen out. She looked like a normal 27-year-old girl, which is exactly what she was. Anna Sorokin was born in Russia in 1991 and moved to Germany in 2007 when she was 16 with her younger brother and her parents, who after being independently tracked down and speaking with the New York asked to remain private as news of their daughter's arrest had not yet reached their small rural community where they lived. Anna attended high school in a small working class town her classmates remember her as quiet, with a bad command of German. Her father had worked as a truck driver and later as an executive at a transport company, until he became insolvent in 2003, whereupon he opened a heating and cooling business, <coughs> specialising in energy efficient devices. And his father. And his father was circumspect okay. Which app? any trust fund. That said, he went on. The family did support her to an extent after Anna's graduation from high school in 2011. She moved first to London, where she attended Central St. Martin's College. Then she dropped out and returned to Berlin. She went on to Paris, where she landed a coveted internship at Purple Magazine. And that's when she became Anna Delvey. Her parents, who say they do not recognise the surname. They always paid for her accommodation, her rent and other matters. She assured them <clears throat> those costs were the best investment. And that her future was bright. Over the course of conversations with her solicitor, Anna never admitted any guilt. She did say she felt bad about what happened with Rachel Williams. I am very upset that things went that way. And I didn't mean for it to happen, she said. But I really can't do anything about it being in here. The, she seemed most interested in expressing that her plans to create the Anna Delvey Foundation were real. 
she had all of those conversations and meetings and sent out all of those emails and commissioned those materials because she thought it was actually going to happen. And maybe it could have happened. She saw something that others didn't see. Anna looked at the soul of New York and recognised that if you distract people with shiny objects, with large wads of cash, with wealth, if you show them the money, they will virtually be unable to see anything else. And the thing was, it was so easy. Money, like there's an unlimited amount of capital in the world, you know, Anna said. But there's limited amounts of people who are talented. And Anna believes that she was the most talented person.